You're listening to Family Pedals, the podcast for people questioning the status quo and getting around a little bit differently. I'm your host, Sarah Copper. Today, I am welcoming Natanya Bittman to the show. She and her husband are currently testing out the feasibility of selling one of their two cars. She is a couple of weeks into using the combination of riding her bike and taking the bus to her son's daycare and her work. I love her enthusiasm and commitment to making it work, and I think you will too. Welcome to Family Pedals, Natanya. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So I have been following you on social media for a few years via your blog and Instagram, and I was thrilled when you reached out to me and told me that your family was interested in potentially selling a car and incorporating more active transportation, and would I be interested in sharing that story with my listeners? And I am very interested in that, so here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you start by letting listeners know who's in your family and where you live and who you are? Sure. So my name is Natanya Bittman, and my husband is Simeon, and we have a son, Eli, who's two and a half. And we live in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. That's in the Berkshires of Western Mass. I often have to tell people that's the opposite side of the state from Boston. So clear on the other side, close to New York. So that's where we live. Why don't we start by you sharing a little bit about your history with active transportation and biking, what that looked like growing up and in adulthood and where you've been with that in the past. Sure. So I grew up in California. And I feel like I had a pretty typical American childhood where I had a bike that I used recreationally to bike around my neighborhood and get me to the local park and playground and that kind of thing. But it didn't go much farther than that. And it wasn't until I got to college that I really used it for transportation purposes. I went to UC Davis for my last couple of years. I transferred there. And that's a huge biking school. Davis is really flat. And it's the kind of perfect community for biking. And they also have an excellent bus and transit system. So I was taking a combo of the bike and the bus in college and really loved the freedom that that enabled me. But I had a car as well to be able to get home to my family in Sacramento. So yeah, it was just really those couple of years that I did that and then mostly relied upon a car for the rest of my adulthood until now. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, tell us what has changed recently and what's inspired you to want to get back to active transportation and what those conversations have been looking like in your household. Yeah, so I have to give a shout out to Chris and Kelsey Wharton of the Matrimony podcast. I've been listening to them for a couple of years and Chris was, I think he was the second, he was one of the first guests you had. Yeah, he was the second guest. Second guest. That's right. Yep. The second guest. And so I was listening to him talk about his biking experience. And I started to think, well, if Chris and Kelsey down in Arizona can bike in the extreme heat, the the relative extreme cold we have probably wouldn't be too big of a deal. It just was so inspiring to hear stories of real life families like me doing something that sounded so meaningful. So I, I followed him over to your podcast and started listening and just sort of fell in love with the idea of everything family biking can bring. All of the benefits people were sharing really aligned with my values and what I wanted to be offering my family. 
So it inspired me to take a second look at what could be possible in our area. So my husband and I both have a car and we've considered that a necessity to get to our work and the places we want to go. And we happened to be actually walking with our kid in our stroller and we passed by the bus station and it occurred to me that perhaps I could take the bus. I, I had never considered it as an option, but I grabbed a schedule to see if it went anywhere near where I work. And it turns out it stops about two miles away, which happens to only be a block away from my son's daycare. So it was totally possible. And that was super inspiring because it felt like some momentum in the direction of active transportation. I should also mention that I knew no one who used active transportation or transit to commute, except for one person who's a colleague of mine. He's amazing for his commitment to active transportation. He's been biking maybe eight, eight and a half miles to work for about 10 years and committed through all weather. And he was the only one I know, like in real life, who's done it. So I asked him to lunch and we sat down and I just picked his brain about what it took and what it looked like and what special gear he had and all of it. He was so thrilled to share his knowledge and to encourage me and really loved that someone else was kind of picking up the mantle of this. Mm -hmm. He was doing it for environmental reasons and just felt so, so excited by my enthusiasm as well. So that was great. And I realized I might be able to be someone else's inspiration the way he was for me. Because I really, I noticed that if we don't see the example of somebody like us doing the thing, it's so much harder to get going. It feels like it's less possible. Yes. But having a living example of somebody you know doing it, that representation really matters. So I thought he's a, uh, a young man, married, but no kids. And I thought I need to be the example of a young mom with a young family doing it too. And so that also propelled me to make it happen. I love that. I really like what you were saying too about how things can be invisible if you're not tuned into it or plugged into what's happening with it. Like the buses, I'm sure, go by all the time, but they're invisible right. unless you're actively thinking of that as an option for yourself. And I think the same can be true of biking. And so one thing that has been consistent through so many people's stories is finding someone who is doing it and that that is an entryway. And I love that you use that resource and that you're thinking about the ways that you can be that resource in the future for other people. Absolutely. And it makes me laugh because you're right. The buses, I mean, we live five minutes from the bus station. Why had that never occurred to me before? But it just, it's one of those things where I think this is also a part of this active transportation sort of momentum in the community because we need it to be an option and to be a relative option for people of all classes, all races. You know, we need to level the field of transportation options. And right now, I think that given where I stood as a middle to upper middle class white woman, it just was like, why would I take the bus when I had a car? And the funny thing, too, is that we we moved here from rural Vermont. And at the time, I had gotten in a car accident, totaled my car. This is kind of a long story, but it'll go somewhere, I promise. My husband had a job that was five minutes drive from where we lived, and I was able to work from home. So we decided that instead of getting a new car for me, 
or replacing the car rather, we would just use the one car and see how that worked. And we traded in his and got a better car. When we moved back to the Berkshires, the assumption was, well, now I have to get a car to commute the 10 miles from home to work. And so we kind of scrambled to get me a car. And now we're in the position of trying to undo that decision by Mm -hmm. selling my car and relying on multimodal transportation to get there instead. And had I had this awareness back then, you know, a year and a half ago, I might not have ever made that purchase because I would have been looking for alternatives. But it's so easy to just be in that routine of doing what everyone else is doing and what has been normal for you. So it's not surprising at all to me that in these places where you're living, where in many ways it is a more car dependent part of the country because it's more rural, Mm -hmm. that it's hard to see it without the example. Exactly. Well, that is a great segue into why don't you share what the commute actually looks like for you? Because when you emailed me originally, I thought, wow, that seems like a big challenge. And not that it's not doable, but that you're not talking about just doing a half mile walk into your work or a two mile bike ride someplace, but that it's a little bit more complicated in your situation. So why don't you describe before you had started incorporating any kind of busing or biking, what was the commute situation for your family? So I took my car and I would take my son and we would drive about 10 miles to his daycare in the next town over and I would drop him off there and then drive two miles further down to work and then do it all in reverse. And um, my husband actually, he commutes about 40 miles due East. (laughs) Okay. So it's about an hour each way for him. So right now we feel like he really needs the car to get there, but we're hoping that he can find work closer to home and perhaps even also make a switch to relying more on active transportation. And, you know, that's a hope. So we were taking the car and it was pretty smooth because it was just hop in, get out, hop back in and we're home. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it definitely took some thought about how to get there. Because when I first started this transition, I thought I was going to bike because I'd been listening to family pedals. It wasn't family busing. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I really just thought, okay, I'm going to do the bike thing and let's see how that works. But unfortunately, on the main thoroughfare from where we live in Pittsfield to Lenox, where I work, it's called Route 7. And it's, I guess, technically a highway. And so it's illegal to ride a bike on most of that distance. Mm. And I didn't find that out until I talked to my colleague, Derek, who told me about that. So that's another reason you should talk to other people who are doing this to find out more information. So there is a back way. It's a little bit longer and there's no real bike lane. So it's mostly you're just on the road or then pushed off into the shoulder. So it's not ideal. And And of course, the last little bit is this huge uphill climb and then around a mountain. It's just crazy. So it really kind of scared me because even driving that road sometimes, like you have to be really cautious going around the curves on the mountain and up and downhill. So it felt like it was going to be out of reach. And that's when we took the walk one weekend and passed the bus. And I thought, well, maybe the bus could take us most of the way there. And then we could just use the bike to get to and from the bus stop. And so that's what we decided to try. Well, tell us a little bit about what your experience so far has been with that. It's been great. (laughs) We love it. It's just so thrilling to get out the door and have my son just 
run up and down the stairs being so excited that we're going for a bike ride or to get on the bus. And I've just really enjoyed it. I thought perhaps I might be frustrated by how much longer it takes, but that hasn't been the case. And we sit next to each other on the bus and we chat about what we see. And everyone who comes on just is immediately drawn to this toddler. And he smiles at them. And it's just been such a nice way to meet other people in our community and to really experience the diversity that our community has to offer, which we weren't getting otherwise. And the biking has been great, although I will say I can feel my level of fitness, <laughs> which is to say that it's not quite where I hope it will be soon. Like I said, we, we live in a kind of hilly area. And so I am going up and down quite a lot. And there's a really steep, consistent incline from work back to where he's in daycare. And I had to walk it a couple of times because it's just, it's a lot. I'm loving it, but I, I definitely can see how, well, let's just say there's a lot of room for opportunity to improve. <laughs> That's a great positive spin on it. <laughs> I love what you were saying about how being on the bus is so interactive with other people. And I think that's something that you get on the bike more than you do in a car, but so much more so on the bus where you can actually have a conversation with somebody for a sustained period of time. Why don't you talk about any other benefits that you have gained so far or what you're really hoping to achieve as a family through these changes? Yeah. Well, it's so fascinating because you think you're doing it for one reason and then find out there's a whole host of other reasons why it makes a lot of sense. So for our family, the first was we felt this financial imperative to make a change that was really significant. We're currently in the midst of paying off a huge pile of debt, school loans, but also car loans. And I thought that reducing our car use would be a great way to make a huge dent in that debt and also reduce our monthly expenses. So of course, you know, it's not just the car interest on the loan, it's also the gas, the registration fees, the repair and maintenance. I mean, in fact, we were just out the other day and came back home to find that my car had a flat tire sitting in the driveway. And so now I have to call AAA. I've got to get them to come repair it, then put on the spare to take it to the mechanic to have them fix it, which if they can't fix it, then I'm going to have to buy a new tire. I mean, it's just that kind of thing that's such a headache. I guess that's another reason beyond just the expense of it, the headache of how much time it takes to maintain your vehicle. Right. And then I also realized I wasn't quite living true to my values as much as I could be. So we all know climate change is a huge issue that just cannot be ignored any longer. And I noticed myself more easily pointing the finger at what other people weren't doing than to use that energy to do something myself. And if I wasn't going to do it first, how could I ever request of somebody else to make an effort? So it was really important to me to do something. And it felt like, well, this is going to benefit us financially or, or otherwise, but this is also a way to say, I care about my footprint and how I'm using my resources. That sounded great to me and to my husband. And then all of the benefits that your guests have shared, I just was so touched by what people shared about the connection that their family had to each other and to their community and the way that their kids were growing up really aware of the impact that cars make, of traffic and congestion, and that they had a sense of self-sufficiency when they started riding their own bikes that I knew I wanted to offer my son that I hadn't really had growing up because I lived in suburban Sacramento where 
again, we just expected a car was necessary. There wasn't a way to hop on the train or the subway to get somewhere. So I wanted to offer him that sense of self-sufficiency and freedom too. And it just started ramping up. Any one of those reasons would have been enough to inspire me to really make a change. But when I started stacking them, I realized, how could I not? How could I say no to something that had all of these benefits that were in line with my values that helped us out and get to our goals and that would make us happier and healthier. It just seems like this is a foregone conclusion. So now the momentum's built. I just need to, to take the step and do it. So actually, I'll just add that I didn't even own a bike <laughs> when this all started. Um, so I, I get some big ideas. I get idealistic and I want to make it happen. So my mother-in-law had a bike that she wasn't using and luckily we're the same size so she was willing to part with it and, and let me use it. But of course, it was in a storage shed where the snow and ice from the winter had frozen the door shut. So we couldn't, we couldn't even access it. <laughs> so I was looking on Craigslist like I was just so eager to get a bike. But finally, we had some warm days and we were able to get the bike out. So I quickly took it down to our local bike shop, which is luckily amazing and bought a bike seat brand new because I just couldn't find one in our area, which again is like, people aren't biking. I guess they don't think it's mm -hmm. something that they can do. I couldn't even find a local bike seat for sale in the size I needed. So I bought one new and had them put it on and we were ready to go. So before that, we had started taking the bus just to see how that was working. And we lived close enough to walk. So it was about a 25-minute walk from our house to the bus stop. We'd get on the bus, get to the next town over. We'd get off, walk with the stroller to daycare, and then I'd walk two miles to work. And I didn't even think of it as distance. I just thought, I'm doing this thing that I had set out to do, and I feel great about it. And I think people were sort of incredulous, like, I saw you walking to work today <laughs> and sort of asking me about mm -hmm. it. But I was so proud to say like, yeah, I walked and it was awesome. And I got to listen to this great podcast. And then instead of being critical, people would say, oh, yeah, I wish I could walk. You know, I live close enough to walk, but uh, the roads are just kind of scary. Like there's not really space. And then it made me think, gosh, this is where the infrastructure piece comes in. And this is where mm -hmm. if we had it available to people in a way that made them feel comfortable, more people would be doing it. And again, like seeing people do it and knowing that there are those people who want to do it, perhaps we can influence our, our area to make some accommodations for that, to make it a real possibility. So I've, I've already felt the impact of how my choices have made it noticeable to other people. I was even having a conversation with a friend who was, he was really kind of drilling into me like, so you walk and then you, and then you do what? And how does that all work? And I was but happy to answer. And then he said, gosh, I really, I want to be able to do that too. And that just like totally made my day. So for a couple of weeks, we walked and took the bus. And then we finally, because of the warm weather, were able to get the bike. So now we've been biking and it's going so great. And I'm really happy about it because my husband and I had decided that we would take a month to really see how this worked and to ensure that it was working as well as we'd hoped before we really decide to take the next steps to sell the car. Of course, I was happy to sell the car right away and just commit to it, but he's much more conservative <laughs> and balances me out really nicely. So we made that plan and, uh, and it was probably smart given that I didn't own a bike or hadn't ridden since college <laughs> just to see how it was going. It's great when partners can balance each other out in that way. Totally. <laughs>
I have a few comments about what you were saying there. One, I think it's amazing that you're starting to do this in winter because you're really stepping up the challenge level of making it happen. People have often asked about that, of course. Well, what are you going to do when it's really bad weather? And the funny thing is, right now, already with a car, when there are really bad snow days, school and daycare is canceled. So I have to stay home from work anyway. So I figure there's already snow days accounted for. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, most of the way is by bus. And if it was really bad that I was worried about the roads, I could just walk because one of the first days I walked, actually, it was funny. The town in Lenox has this great pathway from town down to where I work because luckily there's this premier spot called Tanglewood where the Boston Symphony Orchestra summers. And so they take really good care of that area. Um, And I was behind this tiny little snowplow that was just for the sidewalk that was spitting out the little salt. So it was like clearing my path Mm -hmm. as I walked down. It was wonderful. So um, I figure I could always walk. I also loved what you said about the infrastructure piece is really important, but also just having more people biking and walking because cars are used to looking for bikes. They're used to checking for pedestrians crossing the street. They're more aware. The more people that get out there, the safer it becomes for everyone. And it's hard to be the first people, though, because it feels less safe. And the other piece that I just so agree with is how hard it is to find good family biking things in the used market. That Unless you're living someplace where it is a really big thing, it is, it's hard. And that puts it out of reach for so many people because a lot of the equipment is more specialized and requires a much bigger upfront financial investment, which can feel really hard, which is really hard. Yes, yes. And I I really was aware of that when we bought this bike seat for, it was under $200. It was a lot. And I thought, I'm so grateful that we have the resources to make this investment right now. And you're right, it's funny to look on Craigslist and it keeps like, okay, well, it's not in this area, but nearby here's where other things are, even on Facebook Marketplace. And I'm thinking, so now I'm going to drive two and a half hours to Boston to pick up this this bike seat (laughs) so that I don't have to use my car? Right. (laughs) It just seems so ludicrous. So I thought I'd I'd rather spend the money and support my local bike shop and do it that way because of the time and the energy it would take to get out to Boston would probably make up the difference in cost. Right. Yeah. And and I've heard a number of people mention the local bike shop and wanting to find a good shop. And I am just so grateful that we have one that's a mile or two, not even, away from us. And it's uh, called Plains in Pittsfield. And they were just so sweet and helpful. And I came in and I was like, can you explain the 10 speeds on my bike? I don't understand how they work. <laughs> And he just was like, oh, yeah, well, you just do this and this. And the sense that other people have said about being intimidated to go into a bike shop and not know anything, Mm -hmm. I definitely felt. And it's one of the things that kept me back from biking just generally, recreationally for a long time because I thought, I'm not a gearhead. I just want to go for a ride. And again, I didn't see people doing that. So I'm excited by what's available. And I I already asked them, like, are you going to host bike workshops? And do you need any volunteers? How can I get more involved? And I'd really love to see more people doing it. And and if we have to be the first, then then that's okay. Because I, I feel like with this Family Pedals larger podcast community and what I found online now that I've looked into the guests and, and what resources they have available, I feel like, okay, we're not the only ones. And uh, And I hope that we can be that example for other people too. 
I think you will be, without a doubt. And I'm so glad that you have such a great local resource that you can go to and that can help you guys make those kind of changes in the community. Well, we've talked about some of the benefits, but what have you found to be some of the biggest challenges, either going into it, what you were imagining to be the biggest challenges, and then in reality, these first few weeks, what has come up for you and your family? I do think that the weather will be a big challenge. We've been pretty lucky with with just some light snow, but not rain. So we haven't really dealt with biking wet yet. So I do think we're going to have to make some adjustments for that. But again, hey, other people do it. How are we going to make this work? And I, I really want to find a way. I mentioned my fitness level, but that'll, that'll get better. <laughs> yes. Another big challenge is just adjusting our schedule and our expectations around what we can make possible in terms of things to do. So even, for example, recently this week, my mother-in-law sent me a clipping from the newspaper that was announcing some free bike workshops. And I thought, oh, that's awesome. Like, just perfect timing. I can't wait to go. But it turns out it's in the town, two towns north. And that's about 30 miles away. And it's on a Thursday night at five o'clock. There's just no way I can get there after work and drop off my son somewhere to, to be watched. And I can't figure out how to get from the bike to the bus to the bike to this place. And that was such a bummer to realize, okay, that's just not going to happen. So I'm realizing, okay, that's one. There's going to be others that come up and we're just going to have to say we committed to this lifestyle and this is what's important. And it's not like we're deprived because within walking distance of where we live is the main thoroughfare in Pittsfield called North Street. And there's a beautiful museum. There's a movie theater. There's all the bars and restaurants. There's a couple of coffee shops that we frequent. And there's not much more than that that we could really need on a weekend. And then if there is something we want to go to, it's probably something we're going together as a family to. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be able to have my husband's car. With the combination, I think it's available. And otherwise, we do have to get home and do the bedtime routine and get prepped for the next day. So it's not like we're hanging out late at night going to other places. But this was just one of those things where we where I realized, okay, this is about making adjustments to being more local, which isn't a bad thing. That's something mm -hmm. I've wanted to do anyway. And here's a positive limitation to help us do that. Right. That those limitations might help you discover things that you wouldn't have found otherwise if everything was available to you. Exactly. Yeah. But I think you're totally right. There are trade-offs and that's the reality that I like to present the positive side to people and be really encouraging. And I, without a doubt, think the positives outweigh the negatives. But there are things you have to say no to or things that become really difficult. And that's just the reality. You said earlier about the invisibility of certain things. I think that with cars, we make invisible the trade-offs we're making as well, mm. whether it's the cost or the environmental impact we're making, it's easy to hide those things if we don't care to take account of them. So we're always making trade-offs. And now we're making more visible some of the other positive benefits and then, of course, the, the drawbacks of active transportation. But it's always there. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is so true. So I've been following these last few weeks as you've been making these transitions on social media, and I saw that you had a post about an experience with the bus where 
you missed the bus <laughs> and then you had to wait a whole hour. I think that's right. Yep. And then the next bus was late. And so <laughs> your timeline was much different than you originally anticipated. And I was wondering if you could speak to being on the public transit schedule and how you're adjusting to that and kind of seeing the the pros and cons of relying on public transit. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> so this is what happened. I was going to walk into town, but my colleague was already driving in just nearby where I needed to go. So she said, let me just give you a ride in. And I thought, sure, like, why would I say no? So I got a ride up into town and I realized I had like 20 minutes to spare before I really had to pick him up. And it was a little bit windy and I didn't want to pick him up and then be walking around in the wind. So I went into the library to order a book and then took my time getting to daycare. And of course, I get to daycare and realize we have seven minutes to get his snow pants on, his boots on, and then hurry down the street to the bus stop. And I got so nervous that I wasn't going to make it. So I'm hurrying him up and we're walking out. And I and then I decided I have to carry him because he's not going to walk fast enough. And I And while I'm carrying him, I check my phone, which has the root shout bus schedule where it lets you know like how many minutes away the bus is. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, there's five minutes away and then two minutes away and then 57 minutes away. Like we had just missed it. And now the new one was coming. Right. And what I realize now is that it will reset the time before the bus has actually arrived. Mm. So we might have not actually missed it. This is one of those things you have to know the ins and outs of of (laughs) the systems you use. Right. Yes. But I realized, oh, I think we've missed the bus. So now it's not going to come for another hour because in our area, the buses only run once an hour. Luckily, it was right in the little town of Lenox. So we went to get a piece of pizza and stay warm. And it was great. We had dinner. We got to hang out together. And then we got there five minutes early or whatever it was to catch the next one. And I'm looking at the route schedule and I'm looking again at my phone and it's 15 minutes away. And I was so irritated at first that oh, this time I made it here on time and now the bus is late. Why couldn't the bus have been late an hour ago when I really needed it to be late? Right. And realizing, yeah, okay, so this is what it means to be on someone else's timeline and the bus isn't going to wait for us and we're going to have to wait for it. But again, this is that invisible trade-off. What does it really matter that I'm going to spend five more minutes chatting with my son about what we see and about what goes by and hanging out together? Or am I going to get hung up on, I didn't get to where I needed to go right on time that I thought I was. The freedom of getting in the car and being able to get somewhere, that sounds nice. And it is nice to an extent, but sometimes you get stuck in traffic and that's really frustrating. So it's not a perfect solution either. And having someone else drive me around and take me places right where I want to go, that's pretty nice too. So if I have to wait a little bit, I get it. Things happen and I can make space to be more patient. And what a great opportunity to practice. I know I must sound way too positive about all of this, but (laughs) it is still pretty new. So maybe I just haven't gotten worn down yet, but there are things to think positively about. So I'm just going to choose to focus on those right now. (laughs) Yes. I think the bus offers a great opportunity to grow your level of flexibility. Right. going with the flow. I've missed many a bus in my day and like chasing down the bus loaded down with library books with my child in the carrier. (laughs) 
and then end up having to wait for the next one to come around. And similar to what you were saying earlier in the episode, it's such a privilege to be able to choose and Mm. to say our family is opting into this because it's something we want to try and want to do, where so many people are living at the whims of the bus schedule that does not always run on time and isn't always accommodating. And that's not a choice for them. So I think it also really helps to to know that we have that agency mm-hmm. and allows us to see that positive side when we may not otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's one of the ways that I can do something for my community by integrating across a lot of invisible lines or not so invisible lines and to make a case for why these different types of transportation should be considered viable for for anyone. Sometimes it reminds me of being in high school, you know, where there's like, this is the table that these kinds of kids sit at and these kinds of kids eat over there. This is the type of transportation that these kinds of people take. And this is the type of transportation that these other kinds of people take. And if you want to have an identifier, it's critical that you make the right choice, depending on what you want to present to the world. And I'm just so done with that (laughs) Um, because it's so limiting for no reason other than just perception of what people think of me. And why should I let that be a definer about how I choose to make my impact in the world or not impact by doing something that's aligned with my values in terms of stewarding the earth and connecting with my community and making use of our resources in a way that is going to be more sustainable Well, I know you're very early on your journey, but do you have any advice to share with listeners from what you've learned so far? For whatever you're looking to do, whether it's to use active transportation or to be multimodal, find somebody who's doing that thing and reach out to them because they're going to be more than willing to talk about their experience. And it's what I've found to be the only way to really get a a sense of how it is in, in your area or not, just like what it's like to commute by bike or what it's like to take the bus with your family. I'm so grateful to have been able to sit down with my friend Derek and listen to him share about what it was like to commute by bike and to get his advice and just to have him share my inspiration. He wasn't totally sure what it would look like for me. He wasn't like, yeah, you're going to get it. He's sort of like, I don't know if you really want a bike here because it might be too dangerous with the way the road is. But I'm so thrilled for you and and what you're doing, and I can't wait to see how it's going to happen. So having someone share your enthusiasm, I think, is really important, and to continue to build momentum that way, to listen to podcasts like this and to get information elsewhere if you can't find anyone who's doing it that you know in your area. And continue to reach out to people because what I found is it's easy to think sometimes that, oh, they're busy and and maybe it's not a perfect match in terms of what I want to do. But building a network of people who are doing what you want to be doing can only be a positive, whether it's just to share inspiration or to actually get some practical advice. Yes. And speaking of reaching out, why don't you let listeners know how they can follow your journey and where you are sharing that so they can connect with you? I have a blog. It's at the website nataniabitman.com. And we're going to share more posts about about active transportation now that we actually have a bike. (laughs) But you can also follow me on Instagram at natanya.bitman. 
And uh, yeah, I'd love to connect to anyone who has questions or, or just wants to give a shout. Looking forward to building this community online and, and be able to share across time and space thanks to the interwebs. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. It was such a pleasure, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. I'll link to Natanya's website and Instagram in the show notes at familypedals.com. There you'll also find the link to my Instagram at familypedals. We are now halfway through the spring season of the show, and I just want to take a minute to thank all of you for tuning in and sharing the show with others. Your support really keeps me going and makes this work meaningful. So thank you. On the next episode, Kerry Waldman will be joining me to talk about his biking adventures with his daughter and Cargo Bike Republic, a Facebook community he founded to connect biking families so they can share resources, information, and inspiration. I hope you'll join me then. <laughs>